Can you imagine what it would be like to go through all of that persecution on Christ's behalf and then Jesus to write you a letter and says, I know all the things you're doing. The good things you're doing, they have not escaped my notice. It would probably also be equally uh, alarming or at least unnerving for, <laughs> for Jesus to also say, but I'm holding something against you, right? What does that all feel like? Here's today's big idea. This is my attempt to sum up uh, the similarities in these four letters in chapter two and teach us something about Jesus this morning. Here's your big idea. Jesus is intimately familiar with the victories and struggles of his church. Let me say that again. Jesus is intimately familiar with the victories and struggles of his church. Those who hear his voice ought to listen and obey, even through persecution and trial, knowing that there is a reward for those who persevere. He knows. He knows what's going on. And I say that in a good way. This is not a cosmic deity who, you're trying, who knows, you know, he knows what you're doing. He knows all the bad stuff. I mean, he does. But this isn't someone who looks first with judgment. He looks with love. He knows. He is not foreign to what his church is going through. The big connecting point, application-wise, between us and the first century church is that we are all part of Christ's church, Right? Our situations may be different. What we deal with on a daily basis may be different than what they're going through. But the fact remains the same, that Jesus knows. He knows what we're going through. There's a pattern in your notes there. Um, I call the letter pattern. You probably picked up on some of this as our readers were reading. Do you hear some things repeated? A whole bunch of things were repeated. Six of them, actually. These, these six things are in each of these letters with minor exceptions. One of them, uh, God doesn't have anything to say, bad to say about them, so he, miss, you know, he skips the I hold this against you part. But with very minor exceptions, these six points are in all seven letters across chapters two and three of Revelation. Um, I'm going to walk through them real quick, and then I want to pull out a final thought today from, uh, from two of them. So the first one, write this letter to. Every letter started with that, right? Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Pergamum, Smyrna, Thyatira. Number two, this is the message from. And then it gives you a description of Jesus. So you know the message is from Jesus himself. Number three, I know all the things you do. Number four, but I hold this against you. Number five, anyone with ears to hear must listen and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And number six, to everyone who is victorious. And then it's followed by a promise. There is a lot to unpack in that pattern. Uh, I just want to do, I want to unpack one, one truth here today. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered if God really knows slash really cares? Um, One thing that we're really good at, and Pastor Phil has said this before, is we are really good at keeping records of stuff, right? 
And when stuff starts to go wrong, when the bad starts to outweigh the good, a lot of times we start focusing on God and we say, God, but come on. Why am I going through this stuff? I'm doing the work, right? Don't you know the things I'm doing? I'm going to church. I'm tithing. I'm, I'm trying to talk to my friend at work about Jesus. I mean, they don't want to talk to me about it right now, but I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to raise my kids right. I'm trying to teach them biblical principles. I'm here in church right now. I'm trying. Don't you know all the things I do? Do you think maybe the first century church might have thought some of those things? Don't you see what we're doing? We're trying to bring people into your kingdom. We're trying to talk about your love. But our friends are dying. They're getting arrested. You said you were coming back. Why don't you just come back now? If you come back now, we can be free from some of this stuff. Don't you know all the things we do? In every single letter, Jesus says, I know all the things you do. And he lists them. Pastor Phil said this before too. God is much better at keeping records than we are. But he doesn't just keep records of the stuff that we are ashamed of, that we all focus on when we think of God keeping records. He, he keeps records of the good stuff too. He lists them out for the church. He says, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know about your suffering and your poverty. I know you refused to deny me even when Antipas, our friend, was murdered. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, your endurance, and I've seen your constant improvement in all these things. I know. I know. He knows his church inside and out. He knows the things that we're victorious in. He knows when someone gives their life to Christ. He knows when we go and reach out to our community and show love. He knows. And he knows what we struggle with too. He knows our situations. And not just broadly at the church, but he knows us. I can't stress this point enough. This is not, this is not generic cliche Jesus, okay? This is not Jesus from those goofy Jesus videos from 15 years ago. You know, the look at all these sinners. And he's like afraid to get near sin, you know, it's this really namby-pamby version of Jesus, you know. Different guy we're talking about this morning, I think. This is not a generic Christian cliche. Well, I'm going through stuff right now and life is really hard. Oh, it's okay, brother. He knows. It's deeper than that. Here's how we know. Look at the second part of the pattern where the author is cited. This is the message from. And then there are several descriptions of Jesus' descriptions, and they're actually taken from Revelation 1. You may have recognized them from last week. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. Remember, this is the guy who knows, right? He knows. The one who is first and last, who was dead, but is now alive. The one with the sharp two-edged sword. The son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. That God is the God that knows. He knows and those names and attributes from John's initial vision in chapter 1 are really important. 
Pastor Phil talked a little bit about them this uh, last week. Two of which I want to point out. The end of Revelation chapter 1, Jesus gives us some insight into one of the things that John is seeing, right? He says there was a, you know, one like the Son of Man, and then he gives all these descriptions, said in his right hand he was holding seven stars, and he, and he was standing among seven lampstands, right? And the Bible says that the lampstands are the churches. So right before Jesus is telling his church, I know, he's telling them, I am walking among you. I'm there with you. I'm not just sitting up in the sky somewhere, kind of casually casting my gaze whenever I have the opportunity to. I am there with you. I am present through the Holy Spirit in each of you, and I know. I know. His eyes are like flames of fire. His feet are like polished bronze. Last week we learned that uh, that polished bronze kind of symbolizes the persecution and the injustice that Jesus went through. It's like refinement, right? Again, this isn't just some guy that's sitting up somewhere who has been removed from the struggles of his people, right? This is somebody who went through it. His feet are like polished bronze. He walked through the fires of persecution. He was led like a lamb to a slaughter to an unjust death that he did not deserve. He was put to death, but he's come out more glorious than before, and he's alive. That God is the God that knows. The one who has personally experienced much of what we experience, persecution, suffering, struggle, trial, he knows, church. He gets it. He has gone through it. This is the final thought in your notes. Jesus doesn't just know it. He's been through it. He's been through it. One important part about Revelation is that, uh, as we learned last week, that Christ has come once to save, right? And he's coming again to judge. There is a moment in history in the future when Christ will return and when the earth will be judged. That's biblical. And many of us, when we, when we think about Revelation, sometimes we get a little heartburn. We get a little worried about it. Because some of the stuff in Revelation isn't super palatable. We like the parts. We like chapters 2 and 3. The letters, they're really encouraging, right? We don't like so much the part about like destruction reigning on earth and stuff like that. It's not that palatable. But can I tell you the, the God who is coming to judge the earth, two things. First, because he's been through injustice, Let me word it this way. Do you think that because he's been through injustice that he looks on injustice differently now? Do you think that because he experienced it that maybe he understands more like, like we would understand injustice? He was, a, he was a human just like us. He went through struggle and persecution. He understands it. And yet, even through all of that, he remains sinless. I don't know about you, 
but the guy that's experienced what I've experienced and who remained perfect in spite of all of that, that's the guy that I want to look at me. I would much rather have somebody that's perfect, who knows what I've been through, look at me than, than you know, just another human being who's just as messed up as I am. The other point is that he, he is coming back again to judge. That is a central truth of the book of Revelation. But he came first to save. He has given every single human on the face of the planet the opportunity to be saved, to avoid that judgment. And it's not just a future thing, but also to have abundant life here on earth. He knows He knows what we're going through. He knows what keeps you up at night. The Bible says that that the Holy Spirit grieves. Jesus experiences emotions with us. He knows. He doesn't just know it, but he's been through it. As the worship team comes to close today, um, I want to do something. Um, kind of piggybacking off of uh, what Suba was praying about this morning, um, about some of us here today who have taken offense to God because we really needed God to come through on something and we really needed him to come through in a specific way that we wanted, but he didn't come through in that way that we wanted. And we hold that against God. Don't forget, not only is he working for our good, but he does understand. When you cried over losing a loved one, he was crying with you. He was there. He was there in the room with me and my wife when we lost two of our children. That's not the way I wanted it to go. I didn't want it to happen that way. But Jesus was there with me. He had been through it before, And in a way, he was going through it again with me. And he grieved with me, and he cried with me and my wife. If you're here today and you've you've been holding something against God, I hope that today, when our prayer team comes forward during this final song, that that you'll take a really bold step and you'll come down and acknowledge that to somebody else and allow them to pray for you. He's not a distant God. He knows you so well. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. And he went through all of that persecution and injustice and even to death so that he could restore you to his Father in heaven so that you could walk together. And so that when all of this stuff in Revelation ends up happening and the earth is judged, that he would stand beside you in that moment and tell his Father, he's with me. She's with me. And if you're here this morning and you, and you haven't made that decision to allow Jesus to be uh, the leader of your life, the forgiver of your sins, the good news is that even though his sacrifice was 2,000 years ago, the effects are still the same. He died, he came to earth. Before he came to judge it and hold us accountable, he came to die to be the punishment, to pay the penalty for our sins that we deserve to pay. But he came and did it first. He's paid the price for your sins. He knows you and he loves you. 
And today you have an opportunity to make a commitment to simply say, I accept forgiveness. I know that I've done wrong and I accept your forgiveness. Would you take that penalty, take that payment that you paid through your death on the cross and add it to my account? And if you'd like to do that this morning, um, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes as the worship team begins to play. This is a simple prayer that if you want to make that decision today, you can pray it right now. You can pray it in your head. You can use slightly different words. This is just a, a, a way to help you to pray this morning. You can just repeat it silently in your head after me. Jesus, I've heard about you today. I've heard that you know me, that you know what I've done, you know what I've gone through. And I've heard that you offer forgiveness for my sins. I ask you to forgive me today. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you died. But I believe that you're alive, as I've heard today. Would you lead me and guide me now? I want to follow you. Teach me to obey your word as you walk with me for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.